Blog Talk Radio. You are listening live to the Red Zone Sports Report. My name is Chip Lake. Uh, I am your host. It is uh, Wednesday evening, December 7th, and uh, it's hard to believe, guys, but we have made it to the end of the regular season of uh, regular season college football. There's one more game to go, the Army-Navy game, uh, which will be played on Saturday. Uh, but after that, guys, we're done, and so we have the final rankings uh, that the college football playoff committee uh, just released on Sunday of this week. And a uh, lot of discussion about that, as there always is. We're going to talk about that here for the first uh, first little bit of the show. And uh, then we're going to be uh, going over a little bit of the bowl schedule. we got some intriguing bowls we want to talk about. And then we've got some not-so-intriguing bowls that we also want to talk about. <laughs> so, uh, guys, let's go ahead and get started. We've only got an hour tonight. Uh, I want to welcome to the show, as always, Mr. Matt Metcalf, Mr. Savage Burn, Steve Butler, and our college football guru, uh, the host of the Morning After Talk Show on WJLX Radio in Birmingham, Mr. Kip Kiefer. Guys, welcome to the show. Chipper, thanks for having us, brother. Always a good time. Well, good, man. Well, let's go ahead and get started. Matt, we're going to start with you first. Um, the, the the biggest bone of discussion, I guess, uh, um, and, and uh, the biggest controversy this year uh, over the college football schedule was, was not whether or not Alabama's scout team should have made the Final Four, but it was um, who should have been the fourth seed. And you know, in three years of doing this now, that that's you know that that's what it, the debate has been at the end of the season is who should get that number four spot. And so um, the big discussion was uh, should it go to the Washington Huskies, the one loss Washington Husky team from um, from the Pac-10 that didn't play Pac-12 now, which didn't play a really strong non-conference schedule, or should it go to Penn State, who uh, who ended up um, winning their conference and beating Wisconsin this weekend. I think the committee got it right. I, uh, you know, uh, Penn State had two losses. One of those losses was a 30 nine-point loss against Michigan. Um, look, uh, you got to give credit to James Franklin. That team certainly peaked at the end of the year, and they made great strides throughout the season, and that should be rewarded. And I think it is rewarded. They're now going to represent their conference in the Rose Bowl. Um, the granddaddy of them all, a big payday for Penn State. Awesome, uh, um, awesome opportunity for those kids, especially where that team was, you know, three or four games into the season. But um, certainly disappointed. I think they'd rather be um, they'd rather be playing for the possibility of uh, of uh, a national championship, and that's not going to happen. But Matt, let me play uh, let me play a little clip of. Uh, Kirby Hocutt, who is the uh, athletic director at Texas Tech University, um, after the uh, the playoff committee released their final rankings on Sunday, 
Um, here is uh, Kirby Hokut answering a question posed by ESPN's Heather Dinich, in which um, uh, he gave uh, the listeners a uh, a little peek into the discussion that the committee had with respect to Penn State uh, or Washington. So here's Kirby Hokut, and I want to get your thoughts on it. Conference championships are an important factor, but it's only one factor of uh, a lot of different things that the selection committee looks at. So in our discussions over the last couple of weeks, uh, we determined that you know, Penn State has put together one of the very best resumes in college football this year. I will tell you, Penn State, with their performance and win last night, elevated their position uh, within our conversation significantly. And we spent a lot of time last night and again this morning talking about did Penn State deserve to be at that number four spot or was it Washington vice versa? So um, it was very detailed and in-depth conversation that, that we had. Again, conference champions, one factor of many that we look at. There was a lot of debate, I understand, between Penn State and Washington, but what about Penn State and Ohio State? This is the first time that you guys have put in a team that did not win its division, let alone its conference champion. How do you say Penn State, Ohio State rather, is, quote, unequivocally better than the team it lost to? I think you have to look at the full body of work and look at their resume from this season. Penn State with three wins over top ten teams, uh, played one of the toughest schedules in the country this year. And, And then you look at the loss that Ohio State had. It was to to Penn State on the road by three points. Uh, When you look at the two losses that Penn State have within their resume, one was to an 8-5 team, and the other, they were not very competitive in that particular game. So that all determined that uh, Ohio State had a better resume this football season. Last question for you real quickly is how do you explain to people the strength of schedule question with Washington's non-conference resume? Well, strength of schedule, again, is one factor of many that we look at. And I've said over the last couple of weeks, strength of schedule has been and continues this morning to be a concern for our selection committee. We looked at Washington's schedules. They had quality wins against Utah, against Stanford, against a Washington State team that was ranked in the top 25 at the time, and then what they did Friday night against a top 10 Colorado team. They had good wins, uh, played some good teams, But uh, our decision last night and this morning would have been a lot easier if Washington would have had a stronger strength of schedule. Matt Metcalf, I find this whole discussion highly entertaining because um, because the um, the the debate is over uh, who gets to play Alabama in Atlanta. So anyway, (laughs) uh, separate of that, did the committee get it right? Uh, Chip, I, I think in spite of themselves, they did. Um, you know, again, it's, it, I think it's the four best teams. Look, the reason, you know, you just said James Franklin did a great job getting that team going toward the end of the year. Well, the main reason they got it going toward the end of the year is suddenly instead of playing Michigan's and Ohio State's, they play Purdue, Iowa, Indiana, Rutgers, Michigan State. Good uh, point. Know, Schedule Western, certainly worked yeah, out for them in that yeah, regard, no yeah, question. Western Michigan could have gotten it going against that schedule toward the end. Um, Mm -hmm. And now one of the things, though, and again, I've been saying this on this show, I've said it to my friends, that everyone's going to have to get used to now that there's a committee approach to this process, as they've been doing in college basketball for decades, is they decide what they want to do, and then they come up with a justification to explain it. For the last couple of years, conference titles mattered. 
Suddenly this year, I think an Ohio State team that was clearly better than Penn State. I, I watched the game. I know Penn State won, but anyone who watched that game knows Ohio State dominated that game for three quarters, and then there were they two did. fluky plays in the fourth quarter, and it turned the game around. Not taking anything away from Penn State, that's what you do. You stay close. You take advantage of your breaks. Uh, but anybody who watched those teams uh, through the year, I, I think it's pretty clear Ohio State was the better team. Um, Quite frankly, I go by the Sagarin ratings a lot. Penn State's schedule was not significantly tougher than Washington, if you look at him. I believe uh, – I think he had Penn State at 16 and Washington at about 40. Uh, just for right. reference, he had Clemson, Clemson was somewhere in the mid-30s. So, right. uh, look, look, a lot of people are talking, a lot of people are going this, that, and the other thing. But, but what really hurt Penn State was losing that game to Pitt. Uh, it, it is funny, that game early in the season – I've got a friend who's a really big Pitt fan, and I got a text on Sunday. I think said, "Well, you know, at least we kept Penn State from playing for the national championship." So, uh, <laughs> you, you know, you want you want to do this, you take care of your business. You know, and it is amazing, Matt, how those early games can uh, can uh, can play such an impact on what happens at the end of the year. And I remember on this show, you know, we were previewing what we thought was the best, and I think it was the best week one in the in the history of college football and how it was going to have such an impact on on the final four playoffs and i think it did and i remember back matt to uh this was back when the the bcs was uh was was kind of the law of the land on who got in and only two teams got in if you remember that year that auburn played penn state um excuse me that the year that auburn lost to florida state in um um, in the uh, in the national championship game, you know, uh, we, we played Clemson the first game of the year, and in overtime, Clemson's tight end was open by ten yards, and he dropped a touchdown pass that allowed us to win that game, and that drop allowed us to play for the national championship. Now it didn't work out for us. We ended up losing on uh, you know a. Uh, a last-minute Jameis uh, Winston to Kelvin Benjamin pass in the end zone, but uh, we we wouldn't have even been there had um, had that pass been completed. Mr. Savage Burns, Steve Butler, I kind of feel like the the playoff committee. Well, I think they got it right. You know, I think they kind of set themselves up for this scenario, which is why I was a little surprised that there there was so much discussion within the committee. And what I mean by that is. You know, the the last playoff rankings before the final rankings, and I get the whole body of work argument, and, you know, you win a conference championship, and that increases your body of work. I get all that. But they had Ohio State over Clemson, so it just wasn't realistic that Ohio State could drop to four. And so, you know, uh, you have four teams win games that are in the top four. Just didn't make a lot of sense that they would be able to defend moving a Penn State team, who I think was uh, I think was seven coming into that game, move them up into the top four, and, and, and replace a team like Washington, who won pretty convincingly this weekend. Your thoughts on the final, the final four the, 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 uh, from the committee this weekend? Well, my thoughts, I couldn't disagree with you and Matt more. Um, I, oh! I think we've got a Big Ten start. argument coming, Matt. I yeah, smell well, it. I'm, I smell I'm it. My loins are girded. <laughs> I will yield. Well, never, I will. You, I will yield it to the savage burn. Uh, that's a tough, tough issue there. 
But uh, long story short, I will never be set out to give the Big Ten props. But what I can do as an analyst is realistically look at this. Listen, it, it should be physically impossible <laughs> for you to lose your to win your conference championship, beat a team, and then have them just leapfrog you into the standings. And I get Matt's point that anybody that watched that game against Ohio State and Penn State knows that Ohio State dominated. But why even play the game then? Because the winner doesn't really matter, right? So I think Penn State got a really bum deal here. Everyone talks about that being the best football conference in America. And if it is, and you're the conference champion, and you can't even make it to the semifinal, I think that's an atrocious message to send to all college football athletes. And I'm all right with Washington being there, although they didn't win against one team east of the Mississippi, which is a pretty big deal when you're talking about the Big Ten and SEC being the best two conferences in football, and you don't even play one of those teams. At the end of the day, I think there was a pretty strong argument for Oklahoma. I know they don't have a conference championship, but they still ran their conference table in a conference that's better than the Pac-12. So I I think this is fraught with mistakes as far as their logic. And, And Urban Meyer said it himself in 2006, and I know you've seen this quote all over the Internet, if you oh, yeah. win your conference championship, you shouldn't play for a national championship. And I just think it's cheating. There's too many kids with that thought in the back of their mind, especially these Penn State players. And no matter what the game looked like, they beat Penn State. And their loss to Pittsburgh was a three-point loss to their rival the second week of the season. And by the way, Pittsburgh's a pretty darn good football team. They're not a bad team at all at 8-4 and four with some quality wins on their schedule. So I thought the committee got it extremely wrong. Although Washington, you can make the argument, uh, you put Washington against Oklahoma. Oklahoma hands them their butts all day long. So, Steve, let me ask you this, and I'd have been fine with Oklahoma being in there because I'm not real excited about Auburn playing Oklahoma in the Sugar Bowl, but we'll talk oh, no. about that in a little bit. I hear what you're saying about conference championships, but isn't that a reflection? Don't you think it's more a reflection on how conferences decide their champions? I mean, obviously it was a three-way tie to determine how to get in there, um, and 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 – after Penn State lost one of those games by 39 points to Michigan, you know, how do they win a three-way tie? And let me also remind you that that Penn State-Ohio State game, as Matt said, if you watched it, um, it was dominated by Ohio State, but it was won by Penn State, and that's all that matters. But you have two pretty closely you – have, you have two teams that are that – are, um, that are uh, that are that are close, right? You know, we're, we're trying to determine between yeah, them. Yeah, if they play three split. times, yeah, you know, the home team's many... going to win one game, and then the question is who wins who wins the road game. And so yeah. I think that game with it being at Penn State, too, I think has it. But, you know, I, I think it's more of a testament on how, how these conferences are choosing, you know, choosing who decides to win these two or three – or excuse me, these three-way tiebreakers. Thoughts on that? Well, it's not a tiebreaker in this particular situation, though. And I know they've tried right. it through tiebreaker to get to a championship game. Penn State won their championship game. No matter how the conference decides how they got there, there's not a three-way tie. Penn State is the champion. And I understand the No, 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 but there was a three-way tie. What was there not a three-way tie to determine who no, played? Didn't Penn not, State, Michigan, and Ohio State all have one loss? It was not a three-way tie. It was not uh, a three-way Michigan tie, had though. Two losses. They, lost, they lost to Iowa and Ohio State. They had two losses. Penn State and Ohio State only had one. Penn State won head-to-head, so therefore they're the division champion. Yeah, there's That's no correct. tie. That's whatsoever. right. Not a three-way tie. Excuse me. I stand corrected. That's right. So, I mean, long That's... story short, Penn State won their conference championship and arguably the best conference in America, and they're not going to get a chance to play for the national championship. There is no logic there, and I understand people can have their eye tests all they want. There's got to be a way to compete that's tangible. 
Gotcha. Mr. Mr. Uh, the college football guru live from Birmingham, Alabama. You've heard a couple schools of thought. Mr. Kip Kiefer, chime in and tell us what you think. I have to vote with the Savage Burn. Uh, oh! Uh, Two Big Ten. Uh, we got two Big Ten. We got two Big yeah, Ten refugees is, among us, Mr. Metcalf. Yeah. Well, I, not, I, but but not necessarily at the expense of Washington. Maybe Ohio State. I I, I kind of go back and forth. Here's my and Steve articulated very well a lot of the, what I think. But um, the bottom line is Penn State wins the head-to-head against Ohio State. Wins the division that Ohio State is in, therefore, and wins the conference championship. And, and that, uh, to me, uh, it, 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 it's unfathomable to say, well, you know, you look at the entire body of work. Um, one thing I think needs to be pointed out in that Ohio, Ohio, Ohio State-Penn State game, the block kick that put Penn State ahead was with 640 to go in the game. Ohio State had the ball back. A championship right. team, one of the greatest teams on earth, is going to come down and find a way to kick a field goal and tie that game and put it in overtime. They did that several other times this year, including the Wisconsin game, uh, where, where Wisconsin and Ohio State went to overtime. With, Ohio State did not dominate those other teams, but they didn't. In fact, they only made one first down on that last drive and went four and out, and the game was over. Uh, so Ohio, Ohio State wasn't beaten on some shocking last-second play like the uh, Georgia-Tennessee game. They had the ball and an opportunity to come down and kick a tying field goal and couldn't muster it. So, I, I, you know, I, I, I kind of reject the Penn State win being a fluke. Yes, they were blocked kicks, but uh, on punt, Bama punt, as Auburn fans historically, do you all disavow the win over Alabama back in the, the early the early 70s? Uh, Absolutely you, not. Legitimate. You, wait, you really that's want to right, use that as an example of, of a game. not you, – you think that's an example of a non-fluky ending? Well, it's no such thing as a non-fluky ending in Auburn game. If it's the last play of the game, okay, I'll give you that. But when, when the other team has the ball only down three and has a chance to get down and tie the game and, and can't do it, that doesn't, uh, that doesn't say much for their championship medal. I, I, I'm not saying the committee got it wrong. Maybe Ohio State, and, and, and let, let, I'll be honest, Ohio State is one of the four best teams. But they also didn't exactly uh, overwhelm everybody down the stretch. They beat Michigan State 17-16, to a 3-9 and team, the next-to-last game of the season, when Michigan State tried for two inexplicably instead of tying the game at the end. Uh, and, and if I watched the Ohio State-Michigan game, I thought the better team lost. Uh, Michigan kind of threw that game away due to Harbaugh hissy fits and, and, uh, and, and some kind of poor strategy. So, uh, you know, Ohio State deserves to be there. But, but Penn State, you know, certainly did plenty to, uh, to, to earn that opportunity as well. And, yeah. and I, I feel bad for those kids. The other thing I'll say is in, in my business, uh, you know, the body of work is great, but at the end of the day, it's who gets to the finish line in the top three spots. If you're Usain Bowl, I don't care what your body of work is, in the semifinals of the, uh, of the 100 meter, you uh, have a bad race and run fourth. They don't consider your body of work. You're a trunk slammer. You're going home. Uh, and, yeah. and so it, it's important how Penn State finishes, considering what happened the first couple weeks of the season needs to be factored in. But I, I, I personally like how teams are playing at the end of the year more than hearkening back to how they played in the beginning. Kip, I, well, and- I agree with you. Here's why I think you and, and, and Steve's conference, conference champion argument doesn't hold any water. 
because, and this, this it, 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 be curious to get both of your thoughts on it. Under that scenario, now this is a very unlikely scenario, but under that scenario, Penn State could have been seven and five going into that championship game, won the game to be eight and five, and if that would have been the scenario, and they'd be the conference champion just as much today as they would be under that scenario, did they deserve the right to play in the in the in, in the playoffs because you play four non-conference games? Again, very unlikely scenario. But that's why you can't have the argument of conference champions have to be there because those conference champions mathematically can lose four games, number one. And number two, Kip, I agree with you. Ironically, I think the best team out of, the, out of that conference is probably Michigan. Pound for pound, uh, if you look at those three teams, it probably is Michigan. Um, I thought they outplayed Ohio State at Ohio State, probably – you know, thought they should have won, but they didn't. Couple fluke plays here and there, but um, you know. Uh, but how ironic is it that we're sitting here today? You know, uh, not but a couple years removed from where the Big Ten was. Um, I mean, they went ten years in in uh, in the pasture without even sniffing. Um, you know, uh, dominance. Uh, I remember back in the '90s, I had a lot of discussions, and when I was in D.C. with my Michigan State and Michigan friends about SEC versus Big Ten, and they've been quiet for a decade. And I've, I've, mm-hmm. ironically, they've reconnected with me over the last couple of years. You know, <laughs> as they as they've been happy to get in it. But uh, Steve Kip, I'll give you the final word that I kind of want to talk specifically about uh, some of these ball matchups. But Steve, I'll give you a chance to comment on that. Then Kip, and then uh, we'll transition, and Matt, we'll start uh, we'll start with you to uh, do a preview on these uh, semifinal games. Well, thank you, Chip, and, and I'll tell you why it holds water, and, and you may not agree with the argument, but it certainly can hold water, is, is a couple of things. Ohio State is the only non-conference champion to ever make the semifinals. I think that's mm-hmm. one, one point that has to be um, absolutely considered. Secondly, they beat Ohio State, so it's not as if they were 7-5 and, and, and lost to Ohio State and somehow won their conference championship. They actually beat Penn State. And, and lastly, if, if the Big Ten is going to be touted as the best conference in football this year, it, it's not just any conference. You're the conference champion in the best conference, supposedly. So uh, that's why I think this was a very bad decision on their part. Even if, if, if you take your argument in, as if a, a team 7-5, and five, it would have been borderline. But in this case, they had all the other intangibles. Well, they still would have had the intangibles at seven and five because their loss was to Michigan. So my 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 hypothetical was that losing the other three non-conference games that they had. But I certainly understand your point and where you're coming from. And candidly, um, you know, I, I think Alabama was going to beat whoever came in four. So sure. I would have been pretty happy if the Big Ten teams would have gone zero and two in the semifinal. <laughs> but um, unfortunately, they only have one team in. Or fortunately, however you look at it. So, um, so uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that ends up playing out. And I'm curious to see too, with all these bowl games that we have. You know, it was a down year for the SEC. I think that's true. I think we all agree with that. But everybody thought it was a down year last year. We did really, really well in bowl games. So uh, we'll see if that if that uh, translates this year. Kip, go ahead. Your final. I'll give you the final word on this, and then we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit about the semifinal matchups. Well, thank you, Your Honor. My final point to the jury is this. 
I, I really kind of enjoyed the the, the committee chairman's uh, uh, dissertation on why Penn State didn't uh, match up against Ohio State in their overall body of work. I like how he mentioned an anonymous eight and five team beating them. Well, it just so happened that same anonymous eight and five team also beat the number two team in their poll, uh, and and uh, Clemson certainly wasn't damaged by that loss to the Panthers. So right. uh, they're the number two overall seed. They're better than the celebrated Ohio State in the committee's viewpoint. Pittsburgh beat both those teams. I don't think you can really criticize Penn State for losing that game at Pittsburgh. Clemson lost at home. Yeah. So uh, yeah. That's 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 kind of my final frustration with this. Uh, I, I I think I think Steve is exactly right. Or maybe it was Matt, and one of those guys said, uh, I think it was Matt actually, who said the committee makes their determination and then they build the rationalizations to support them. And I see all kinds of uh, holes in 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 that particular dike. Uh, they better get the little Dutch boy up there stat because uh, it's leaking oil, in my opinion. Well, I tell you, and and I've heard a lot of criticism of that. It it certainly looked like, and and you know, I don't remember there being this much. Um, I don't want to say discord, that's probably the wrong word to use, but, you know, this much discussion amongst the committee. I mean, they were supposed to have these rankings to the networks by noon, and they had to delay it 30 minutes. So I I do think Mm -hmm. they spent a lot of time on it, and it did not look like there was consensus in the room. So uh, um, it certainly would have been great to be a fly on the wall for those discussions um, to see um, to see how they were shaping out, Matt. Let's kind of switch a little bit uh, and talk about these semifinal matchups. Um, Alabama, we, we've talked uh, week after week on this show. I mean, it it really does look like that they have Nick Saban has one of the most complete teams, maybe that he's ever had. I mean, it, it's not unusual for an Alabama team to have a dominating swarming defense and. Um, surprise, surprise, that's what they have again this year. Uh, but what is surprising is for them to have a quarterback <clears throat> that can give them a another tool in the toolbox as if they needed another tool in the toolbox. But the ability to scramble and the ability to run and the ability to make plays. Um, they really haven't had that a lot at Alabama. They have that this year. Oh, and by the way, he's a true freshman. So he's got three more years to play in this system. Um, so Chris Peterson bringing the Washington Huskies all the way across the country to Atlanta to play the Alabama Crimson Tide. It's essentially a home game for the Crimson Tide. And in fact, they played their last game at the Georgia Dome, and, and, and they're going to play this game at the Georgia Dome. So the line's 14. Um, I thought it would actually open a little higher than that, especially after Alabama covered against uh, Florida, which was a ridiculous line. Your thoughts, Matt? Does does Washington have any chance whatsoever at making this football game competitive and possibly sneaking out of Atlanta with a huge upset? Uh, yeah, I actually think they do, Chip. Um, Walk me through why. Well, first of all, I mean, there's always the – the five turnover shoot yourself in the foot game by Alabama, the old, you know, nobody can beat us except us. Um, Chris Peterson's a hell of a football coach. He's got a month to prepare. Uh, And again, don't, don't get me wrong. I don't, I don't, I don't think the line's off. I don't think there's a huge thing, but there is this. Uh, We all just sat here and talked about how 
the SEC is, is, is a little down this year at the top. Uh, you know, a lot of teams in the middle that are good, but uh, Alabama really hasn't been tested by the tougher foes the way they have been in the past. They have still looked dominant, but, uh, but frankly, how many times have they really been punched in the mouth? I mean, I guess LSU kept it close, but was there ever a moment when you were watching that game where you thought Alabama was in real danger? No, Ole Miss punched him in the mouth, and then Alabama got mad and punched him back eight or nine times. But if you think about it, it was because they had a couple turnovers in the first half and made it easy on them. And the the final score of that game was much closer than it should have been. Ole Miss got a couple garbage time touchdowns. I think Bama was up 20 with four minutes to go or something like that. So – so, like, yeah, they, they've got the proverbial puncher's chance. But, look, I, I end of the day, I think Bama wins this game by a few touchdowns. Um, you don't want to give Saban three weeks to prepare for a football game. Uh, there have been times in the past where Saban's defenses have struggled with this spread type thing. But I think, I think that's in the past. He's figured that out now. So, uh, so I think Bama comes in as a pretty heavy favorite. Um, and, and, and uh, Kip, what do you think? Uh, what are your uh, What are your viewers and your listeners saying uh, um, uh, over in uh, Birmingham? How does Alabama feel coming into this game when, uh, from a matchup perspective against Chris Peterson's Washington Husky team? Well, these people are so jaded. If it was the other team from Washington, not not the uh, not Washington State, but the Seattle Seahawks, they would expect to walk over. Uh, they they just believe that this Alabama team is just unbeatable, and actually grouse and complain if they go three and out and have to punt. Um, it's 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 really unbelievable. So really, nobody over here is giving Washington any chance. There's a little bit of trepidation. Uh, although they all say they really want to play Ohio State for payback from two years ago, and they're tired of hearing about all the Urban Meyer hype, and that's what that's the game that everybody wants to see. But uh, but they but they do they they will be nervous for that one, uh, it, and it may well be Clemson who really was in my opinion in the championship game last year the better team, and they didn't win. Alabama just made bigger plays in the game to pull that out. But I don't think Washington's getting much respect. I will say this for Washington. Their team is primary weapon is Browning, their quarterback, who's going to fill the air with footballs. And I thought Florida had a pretty good plan on Saturday, coming out and trying to throw the football. Um, of course, it ended up blowing up in their face when Alabama made a minor adjustment with their linebackers. But I, I don't see anybody running the football in Alabama. And any team that's really ground-oriented is going to have a really long day. So Browning gives them the puncher's chance uh, because with Eddie Jackson being out, they really haven't faced a pure passing offense since that happened. They've got some guys moved around in the secondary. Uh, I think a team that can really throw the football is going to give them some difficulty if they can if their offensive line holds up. That's the other equalizer. Alabama puts pressure on the passer much better than past Alabama teams have. So that's the key is the Washington offensive line, and they didn't hold up the one time under the really bright light. Uh, against USC this year, they just weren't up to the task. So I'm not too confident in the Huskies in the game, but the fact that they are a passing-oriented offense, I think, gives them a little bit of a chance. Interesting. Mr. Savage, Burns, Steve Butler, we're, uh, we're a little short on time, and I know you've got obligations after the show. So let's pivot and talk about the other semifinal game out in Glendale, Arizona. Two very talent-laden teams who are certainly no strangers to the college football playoff or the national spotlight, Clemson and Ohio State. Walk me through how you handicap this game, Steve, and who do you think is going to come out on top? 
Now, I think this one's a little bit hard to handicap because you've got a much better offensive football team in Clemson. And Clemson's got a great defense, but Ohio State's got a lot of athletes that you're going to see on Sunday. And, and Clemson has a couple of those out there as well. Um, but I think you're going to see a really hard-hitting football game. Um, at the end of the day, despite all I had to say about Ohio State should not be there, I think they've got a pretty good chance of winning the football game. But I don't think they have enough offense to overcome Deshaun Watson. And Mike Williams, I don't know if anybody's been watching Clemson that closely recently. That dude is playing as any good as any receiver oh, yeah. in, in all of college football. And if I've ever seen a pro prototype, he is it. Um, and, and they've also got a good, solid ground game. So I'm going to give a, a little bit of an edge to Clemson because they can actually put some points on the board. To Kip's point, Ohio State's offense looked horrible the last five or six weeks of the season, not just the last couple of games. So um, if it wasn't for a couple of, of unique opportunities against Michigan, we wouldn't even be talking about them. Right. I got you, Kip. How do you see that game shaping up Ohio State-Clemson out in uh, Glendale, Arizona? Yeah, I mean, I think Clemson has been here. I mean, Ohio State survived the Michigan game, which was the most hyped game of the season, and I give them credit for that. They're lucky that game was in the horseshoe and not the big house. I don't think they beat Michigan up there had the game been on that on that field. Uh, I mean, Ohio State is probably in the playoff on predicated by their uh, unbelievable performance early in the year in Oklahoma. So they have had some primetime exposure, but this is a Clemson team that played for it all last year, and it's a pretty veteran outfit. Uh, so from the experience factor and having been there before, uh, I think Clemson will handle the stage. But, I mean, I don't know what your guys' perceptions are, but I, this Clemson team just isn't isn't the same team as it was last year, in my opinion. They've struggled no. a lot of games. They've been fortunate to pull a few of them out. Uh, even even I, I was really unimpressed Saturday night. I got home in time to catch the fourth quarter of the game with Virginia Tech, and – uh, and they were they were hanging on for dear life against a team that I think is you know probably mediocre at best. So uh, you know my 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 mind says uh, Clemson's the experienced team and they've been there and Deshaun Watson is great, but JT Barrett's a great quarterback as well. I, I think Ohio State beats them and sets up that Alabama matchup, and that's going to be a game that everybody's going to be uh, on the edge of their seats to see. Matt Metcalf, what do you think, Ohio State Clemson? Great, great matchup, um, and I, I again, I echo a lot of what they said. Both these teams have played a little close to the edge. They've sort of played under their talent level this year. Uh, they each have a loss against a, a team they had no business losing to, uh, Pittsburgh for one, Penn State for the other. I, I just see a lot of similarities to them. I appreciate the point that Clemson seems to have a better offense, but, but Kip, I'm with you. They, they played down to the level of their opponents all year, uh, you know, they could have easily lost it to, to NC State, much like Ohio State could have easily lost to Michigan State. I just I think I think it's gonna be a close game and I think in a close game, frankly, I like Urban Meyer as a game day coach better than I do Dabo Sweeney. Excellent, man. It it'll uh, uh it'll be very interesting to see because I think uh um I don't know that too many people are gonna be taking the money line on Washington and rightfully so, so Barring a, a a a Trump versus Clinton type upset, in fact, I think if Washington beats Alabama, it might be greater than the Trump beating Clinton upset. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> we're looking at a rematch if uh, if Urban Meyer can't can't pull out a win out of Arizona. Um, let's pivot a little bit since we have so many. We're not going to go through all these ball games because um, we simply Aww. don't have enough hours in the day to do so. <laughs> but we are going to pick out a few. And um, let's talk about, we mentioned it earlier, 
the Rose Bowl. Uh, Penn State disappointed, uh, very disappointed that um, uh, that they didn't make it into the championship game. Of course, I I also at, at the same time think that uh, you know they were uh, a little prepared for that. We put a little bit of a clip of. Uh, of James Franklin. I was a little surprised he didn't try to lobby the committee a little bit more. I don't know that it would have mattered a whole lot, but here's James Franklin talking about uh, the disappointment of not making the Final Four number one and um, and then the uh, uh, the opportunity that his team has to play uh, Southern Cal in the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. Obviously, our guys would love to be playing you know, in, in the, in the, um, in the championship uh, playoffs. We'd love to be able to do that. It's a little hard when when you win the conference and you beat the team that's making it. You know, Ohio State's going on, but we won the conference and beat them head-to-head. But, you know, it is what it is. We're blessed. We had a tremendous season, and and we're really excited about playing playing in the Rose Bowl. You know, USC's a tough opponent. They're hot right now as well and extremely talented. You know, it's interesting. Uh, Steve had to drop off. He had some other obligations that he had to take care of after the show. So I want to thank uh, Mr. Savage Burns, Steve Butler, for being with us. But, Kip, let me ask you this. Um, uh, all the discussion about Penn State and how they deserve to be in the Final Four, um, it certainly doesn't look like the odds makers are giving Penn State much of the respect. They uh, opened up at a, a, a seven-and-a-half-point underdog against Southern Cal. Granted, both teams are coming in hot, but uh, how do you handicap this Rose Bowl game between Southern Cal and Penn State? Well, I mean, USC gets to play virtually a home game. It's in it's in the Rose Bowl, which is UCLA's home field, but USC just played a game there a couple weeks ago, um, and, you know, it's certainly right in their backyard. I do feel bad, I want to say, for Colorado. This is a team that was 5-40 and 40 in the Pac-12 coming into this season and had just a magical year. They end up one spot behind USC in the poll. They did lose to USC head-to-head, but it sure would have been nice to see them be be rewarded with a Rose Bowl appearance. Um, and I think, in my opinion, they won the division over USC with only one conference loss to USC's two. Um, you know, I would have liked to seen Colorado as the division winner and the team that was in essence, the runner-up in the Pac-12 in the Rose Bowl. I think that's unfair, but that's just my opinion. My second uh, point, though, is that, yeah, USC has been great uh, ever since Darno's been the quarterback, and they've, they've, uh, they've rolled up a bunch of impressive wins. The one at Washington, of course, is the main one, but uh, they, they beat a lot of the weaker sisters in the USC, in the USC down the stretch, the UCLA's and, and uh, Oregon, who was awful this year, um, Cal, I mean, their, their list of victims, Arizona State and Arizona, um, not, not exactly, uh, you know, a, a, a glowing group. So I, I'm not so sure on this red-hot team thing. Notre Dame was lousy. They scored 27 points against them. I think the score was 41 to 27 in the Coliseum. So I, I think Penn State's got a really good chance, and I think Penn State's going to have a lot larger chip on their shoulder to show that they were legitimate then USC, I think they've got greater incentives, so I wouldn't give the touchdown. I'd take the Nittany Lions. I think it's going to be a really good game. Matt Metcalf, uh, Auburn Tigers, uh, tale of two teams this year. Uh, teams we we um, the games we played with a healthy Sean White and Cameron Petway uh, looked a whole lot different than the games that we played um, either without a healthy Sean White or Cameron Petway or in in um in in terms of the Clemson game we had a healthy Sean White but 
Gus Malzahn played 18 quarterbacks in that game, so he didn't have a chance to get <laughs> into any rhythm. But uh, uh, Oklahoma, um, certainly a lot of people were making an argument if you were just looking at the four best teams that you know they might have should have gotten some consideration. Auburn was not in that discussion, by the way. Um, but Auburn plays Oklahoma in the Sugar Bowl. Ironically, Oklahoma only opens up a five-point favorite. I got to think this matchup's a little tough for us unless we can absolutely catch him, uh, unless we really have a healthy Sean White and Cameron Petway is back at 100%. I doubt both of those two dynamics will happen, but let's just say they do, and Auburn does have a healthy White and Cameron Petway. Can they hang with Oklahoma, or is this a game that uh, might get out of hand? Well, I, I, I think Oklahoma is the better team, and I don't think it's particularly close. Um, but, you know, Kip just made a great point talking about Penn State. We get so hung up on conference versus conference and matchup in bowl games. But every bowl game I've ever been watched, it's which team wants it more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not, not to be one of these people that makes excuses for Alabama, but don't ever forget that Sugar Bowl where they went and played Utah when they thought they had a crack at the national championship, and they just laid an egg. They didn't, they didn't give a hoot about that game. And Utah right. was trying to prove that they were a great team. And there's, we can go on with example after example. Uh, and, and, again, I think Kip's exactly right about that Rose Bowl. I think Penn State's going to come in and try to prove that, uh, that everything they've said was right. Um, that said about this game, I'm not sure which team's going to come in with that little bit of swagger. Yeah. Is, Oklahoma, is Oklahoma going to feel like, you know, we, we kind of close strong – and we need to prove that we were really that good, or are they going to be a little disappointed that they, frankly, didn't even really get mentioned um, for the for the playoff? And is Auburn going to be sort of like, Christ, I can't even believe we're here, or are they going to be like, guys, here's the one chance we can show that, we, you know, that, that run we had in the middle of the season was not a fluke. Uh, right. And, and again, I, I think this is one of the tougher games to handicap um, of uh-huh. the important, I hate to say this, but of the important bowl game. Uh, well, they're all important, of course, Matt. I mean, you you oh, would not. I mean, you would you would not think the Popeyes Bahama Bowl, the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl, or the Camping World Independence Bowl are not important, of course. But uh, but but it, but you know, don't you think it really does depend? And I'm not you know I'm not making excuses for the for the health of our football team. But but candidly, if if any other quarterback but Sean White goes for Auburn, I I, I don't know that that there is a scenario that has Auburn wanting it more. I mean, your, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's, it's a month for these guys to heal up. Good grief. Yeah. Uh, and actually, from the last time they played, it's five weeks. Um, That's right. You know, I, I would certainly hope that whatever's wrong with Sean White, he started the Georgia game and played the entire game. I mean, uh, you know, unless he's got a punctured lung or, or a, a lacerated kidney or something, this is supposed to be a shoulder injury. I would hope that in five weeks they can get him ready to play. And Cameron Petway, you know, actually did try to play here. So I, I, I think both those guys would be 100%. And, and the thing about Oklahoma, you, you wonder about the Big 12 this year and, and who they've been beating down the stretch. Uh, this is a team that still went to Lubbock. I've mentioned this still on Blue in the Face just a month ago and surrendered 854 yards in total offense. Uh, to, to Texas Tech, won the game 66-59. to 59. So I, I'm not really sold on the Sooners' defense. All, obviously, offensively, they've got tons of weapons that are really scary, but the strength of this Auburn team is the defense. So I think, I, I think Matt's right. 
this was a tough game to call, but I would not be a bit surprised to see Auburn just go toe-to-toe with them and this be a, one of the more entertaining games of the whole bowl season. Yeah, I tell you, if, if anything, though, we, we this Auburn team, when healthy, they really do feel like they're playing with house money because we were one second away from having three <laughs> losses four games into the season. And, yep. um, you know, and, and that worked out to our advantage. And ever since then, you know, uh, we really have kind of been playing with house money. So I, I think we're, you know, we're thrilled to be there. I think the coaching staff is thrilled to be there. I think the players are. So, you know, hopefully they are healthy and they do come out and play. And, you know, when you play relaxed and you don't feel like you have anything to lose, sometimes that's when you have your best stuff. You know, and um, but to your point, we'll see. You know, we'll see how uh, we'll see how Oklahoma um, Oklahoma comes out. Talk a couple more bowl games, guys, and then I want to talk about coaches in the hot seat before we end up closing out this show. Uh, Ted Miller at ESPN.com has a uh, very entertaining article out uh, in which he uh, kind of previews a few of these ball games and, and gives them. Uh, gives them titles, as we say, and um, you know one of the uh, the bowl that he has determined or given the title of disappointment bowl to is uh, Nebraska and Tennessee in the Franklin American Mortgage Music City Bowl, um, no. and we forget. I forgot until I read the, read the article that uh, Nebraska and Tennessee. We're both at one point, uh, actually for three or four weeks in a row, in the top ten this season. Um, Mm -hmm. But they will meet, as I said, in the Franklin American Mortgage Music City Bowl, which means they're not in the top ten anymore. And uh, Nebraska started (laughs) 7-0 but lost its uh, three out of its final five games. Tennessee started 5-0 but then lost four of seven and lost three or four members of their team in that process. Um, And uh, Tennessee even lost – their final game of the season against Vanderbilt. So uh, what do you think, guys? Appley uh, uh, described bowl, the disappointment bowl, and uh, do you think Tennessee, Matt, do you think Tennessee can pull one out for the conference, or is this just going to end kind of the same direction it's been going for Tennessee the last month and a half? Yeah, it's. This is one of those that again is kind of interesting because I don't I don't know that either team really gives a damn at this point. Uh, yeah. they, they they got their expectations up so high, and uh, yeah, I, I my guess is Nebraska is gonna gonna win this game. T- Tennessee doesn't even have the advantage of getting to take a fun trip. Um, for those of That's you who right. have been, Nash Vegas is a great city to visit. And I, and I think the Cornhuskers will enjoy it, whereas obviously it's, uh, it's essentially around the corner for, uh, for, the, for the folks from UT. Uh, so I, I, just, I just see this being a, a game Nebraska wins. Um, I believe you just mentioned we're going to be talking about coaches on the hot seat, and something tells me we'll be talking about Tennessee then as well. We will, we will, and we're going to get to that in a minute. But uh, Kip, Matt just mentioned not a fun trip. I know a little bit about that because uh, Auburn last year got to play in the Birmingham Bowl. And with all due respect to your fine city, um, when you play in the Birmingham Bowl, of which Will Muschamp will be coaching for the second year in a row, um, you, you didn't really have a great season. However... Um, when you do talk about a fun trip, I would say that Nassau, Bahamas is yes. 
I think it's safe to say that that's a fun trip for the kids. Kip, would you not agree with me? I I would much rather go to the Aloha Bowl, the the uh, the Bahamas Bowl, any place in Florida. I mean, Nashville is a fine city with some very welcoming folks and a great country music heritage. But if I'm from Knoxville, going to Nashville is like uh, uh, it's, it's a drudgery. It's not a reward. Um, and, <laughs> you know, it, it's almost like something. You, it, it's almost like going to detention. Uh, this this team is by far the biggest disappointment probably in the country, uh, followed closely by Notre Dame. Um, and But Tennessee with 18 returning starters, I mean, it's just what a disaster. It's hard to believe that Butch Jones and his $3 haircut are still employed. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 just, I just don't uh, – I, I, I just don't see um, – it ending well for the big orange because uh, I think Matt's right. I think neither of these teams is very incentivized to be there, but uh, at least, at least the Nebraska boys will uh, have a good time uh, ogling and, and, uh, and, and uh, marveling at the Southern women. So maybe that will be inspiring to them. Uh, I, li- I like the Cornhuskers to, uh, to, to go ahead and squish whatever's left of the uh, lack of juice in the big orange. Matt, the reason uh, Matt, the reason I asked Kip about Nassau Bahamas is because uh, Tim Miller at ESPN.com has um, has given the award of the least entertaining bowl to the Popeyes Bahamas Bowl to be played two days before Christmas, 1 p.m. and 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 he explains it this way, and he says, first, there are really no bad bowl games. It's college football, which is always a good thing. But if there was a bad ball game, you could make a really good case that Eastern Michigan versus Old Dominion might not be oh appointment God. television for everyone. Um, and if we sound like we're more soft than snarky, consider that Eastern Michigan is playing in their first ball game since 1987. And Old Dominion is playing in its first bowl game ever. Matt, I didn't know Old Dominion had a football program. So how in the world do we have a bowl system that has Eastern Michigan and Old Dominion playing football? And I ask you that question knowing that I will probably watch that game because it's probably the (laughs) only game that's going to be on TV that day. And you just hit the nail on the head, Chip. Andy Staples, yep. the college football writer from Sports Illustrated, who I quote all the time, people send him questions for his mailbag, and his stock answer is, anytime you ask the why question in college football, the answer is always money. That's uh, right. As much as yep. we've all made fun of these games, Chip, you are exactly right. There, there wasn't a yep. person on this podcast that, that on Saturday the 17th isn't going to be flipping back and forth between the Raycom Media Camellia Bowl and the Las Vegas <laughs> All four of us are going to be doing it. We know it, and that's why there's this many. There, I saw something last year, and it was probably something like the last year's, you know, last year's version of the Bahamas Bowl had better ratings than, like, any NHL game until the playoffs. Wow. They, 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 out, they outdraw NBA regular season games, partly because of what you just said, Chip. What else are you watching? Yeah on the Friday two days before Christmas. That's Uh, right. And so we're going to see that. And part of it is the exuberance of these kids. You were just talking about what's a better trip. A couple of years ago, Central Michigan making their first trip to a bowl in a while, because of the way these conference affiliations sorted out, their two choices were the Popeye's Bahamas Bowl and the Motor City Bowl. 
ESPN yeah. had a camera there on bowl selection day, and when they announced they were going to the Bahamas, Chip, you would have thought those kids had all just won the lottery. They oh, yeah. Went, and it was such a cool moment, and that's when you have to remind yourself that, you know, we can make fun of these things. But let me tell you, Appalachian State, having just moved up from 1AA, excuse me, FCS, to FBS, and they've been to bowl games back-to-back years, they don't care that they're in Mobile and Montgomery. They are That's thrilled right. to be playing in these games. And, yeah, uh, no question. So, and, and, and we'll watch them. They're entertaining, and, and we'll go from there. So. Exactly. No question about it. Kip, the, uh, the satellite recruiting camp bitterness bowl. Um, and I didn't even think about this till I read it, but uh, the Michigan Wolverines are playing the Florida State Seminoles in the Capital One Orange Bowl. I totally forgot about all the uh, all the satellite camp drama that Jim Harbaugh and one of the fiercest critics of those satellite camps, of course, was Jimbo Fisher. And now they get to play each other in, ironically, the state of Florida. So, Kimmy, your thoughts yeah. on that bowl? Well, uh, you know, I, I, I think we've talked about teams that are highly incentived, uh, and uh, and I think Michigan will be in that posture. They lost two out of their last three games, and, you know, frankly, there were a lot of people trying to make a case for Michigan being one of the final four teams, but, I mean, that loss at Iowa City was uh, was, was really inexcusable, and uh, and they, they, and then they, and they had their chance. If they beat Ohio State, they're the outright winner of that division and probably the Big Ten champion. And that would have solved everything, but they they blew their opportunity. So now they get one yeah. more chance to show their their medal. Uh, Florida State, um, you know, it's a team that that really underperformed this year. They're kind of hard to read, uh, but I, you know, Michigan last year was in a similar position when they played Florida in the Capital One Bowl, and they just pounded the Gators. I mean, they just destroyed them. It was really the one horrible performance by an SEC team last year in a nine and three bowl season. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think Harbaugh will have Michigan uh, really in a frenzy to play. And uh, despite the fact that uh, Jimbo tries to stir up his troops with his resentment of uh, Jim Harbaugh and everything he stands for, um, I, I really don't know if the Seminoles uh, really have the right stuff in this game. I, I like Michigan. Um, and I also, I mean, and, and I understand the whole body of work thing. Florida State finished two spots ahead of Louisville in the polls. But I can't get out of my mind that Louisville beat them by 50 points. Um, yeah. So, I, you know, that's that's hard for me to stomach. Louisville finished terrible, and they don't deserve to be in a major bowl, and they're not. But um, I don't know how deserving Florida State is either. Well, Matt, uh, Kip just mentioned Louisville um, not deserving to be in a major bowl, and he's right. They're not. They're playing in the Buffalo Wild Wings Citrus Bowl. But that's an interesting matchup against LSU. You've got uh, – um, you've got Louisville, who needs, leads the nation in scoring offense at 45.5 points a game. Uh, and LSU ranks sixth in the country in scoring defense at only 16.4 points a game. So offense versus defense ball, Louisville and LSU. Matt, give me your thoughts on that game. I actually, and I can't believe I'm about to say this, but I like LSU. Um, mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, Louisville, I say this as a proud Tar Heel, proud ACC guy, um, you, you, they ain't seen a defense like this. Um, no. And I know Petrino's sort of an evil genius. Well, at least he's certainly evil. Uh, but <laughs> I just don't, I just don't, you know, they prep for this. 
I think Lamar Jackson will have the Heisman in his pocket by then, and his mind will be a thousand different ways. And I really think LSU will want to win one for Coach O, because uh, regardless of his, his his prowess as a game strategist, everywhere he's been, the kids love him and yeah. sell out for him. So uh, I, I just I, I like Louisville in this. Excuse me, I like LSU in this game, um, and, and it's another one that. Uh, you know, I will say this: the, the, the overall, the bowl matchups I think turned out a little bit better this year than they have in years past. So this is, you know, mm-hmm. this is another one I'm actually looking forward to. Interesting. Let's uh, we're running out of time, guys. So let's go ahead and, and talk a little bit about uh, uh, before we got to run. Uh, let's talk a little bit about coaches on the hot seat for next year. Now, um, <laughs> I, I went back and I tried to find um, the, uh, the the same website that I'm, I'm looking at right now for. It's actually coacheshotseat.com. Um, it only shows those that uh, that are on the hot seat uh, for next year. It doesn't show last year's list. But last year's list, I do remember who was number one. And uh, that was Gus Malzahn at Auburn. And uh, uh, certainly worked out for Gus this year, uh, being eight and four. In fact, Auburn was the highest rated team with four losses in the final national football college football ranking. Uh, but number one this year, no surprise to anybody, is Brian Kelly from Notre Dame. Candidly, I'm a little surprised that uh, uh, that Kelly was able to keep his job after this year, although you know, Notre Dame does not have a history like other schools of, um, of firing their coaches uh, um, in the middle of contracts. But what I thought was interesting, guys, is uh, – Four out of the top eight coaches on this list, and there are 30 coaches on the CoachesHotSeat.com list, four out of the top eight are SEC coaches, and that's Kevin Sumlin at number three, um, mm-hmm. uh, Brett Bielema at number six. I was a little surprised he was that high. Oh, yeah. Hugh Freeze at number seven. Who would have thought after the year he had last year and what a hot commodity he was that, that he would make the top ten? And then uh, Butch Jones, no surprise there, but – Guys, we'll start with you, um, Kip. How in the world are Hugh Freeze, Brett Bielema, and Kevin Sumlin ahead of Butch Jones on the list of coaches on the hot seat? Yeah, that's really surprising to me because uh, I would have put Butch Jones probably in the top three or four. I, I, I actually – there was a big rumor last week on Twitter that uh, last – I think it was last Wednesday that Butch was gone. Uh, that he was going to be let go and, and had already been pursuing the Purdue opportunity that ended up going to uh, Brome, the uh, uh, the assistant coach at, uh, at Louisville, the former quarterback. Um, yeah, so I, I, I would say Butch Jones is the highest of the SECs. I really don't know what that calculation is based on. Um, I, I'm not surprised about Kevin Sumlin. He's got a lot of explaining to do about these last three years of his teams just totally falling apart down the stretch. I mean, that you know, once or twice uh, it could be a coincidence, but for three years in a row, that, that's a pattern. And that's got to be extremely disturbing to a program that has got every resource and so much money behind it. So I'm not a bit surprised to see his name on the list. Beal surprises me. Uh, Arkansas fans have seemingly become kind of accepting of him. And I, I they certainly had their really low moments this year, but they also had some high watermarks. So... Uh, that that really kind of surprises me. No surprise on you, Freeze, just by the fact that um, uh, the the Rebels had such a disappointing year, and they're just so much 
flying around there. They might be on probation situations and sanctions and all that good kind of stuff. How much Hugh Freeze was uh, uh, responsible for that is debatable, but he's still the man at the helm and uh, is ultimately accountable. So the SEC list doesn't really surprise me. Um, looking around the rest of the country, there's other huge uh, disappointing guys. Uh, Jim Moore Jr. shine maybe wearing off in UCLA after a, I think they went two and ten. I mean, with uh, a team that was ranked in the top 15 or so, and maybe three and nine, but they were really lousy. Uh, Oregon just replaced uh, help their coach, of course. Um, just thinking around any place else, those that's the one that really comes to mind. And and of course, they can't be very much uh, joy in Tucson with Rich Rod and the way Arizona played this year. They were absolutely god awful. So. Uh, I, I think some big names are pretty vulnerable for next year. No question, Matt. It was interesting when you go to this website, CoachesHotSeat.com. They list um, every coach um, in in all the major conferences and and then some. And so, literally, the, the list starts with Brian Kelly at one, and it ends with Nick Saban at one twenty eight. And so they kind of break everybody into um, into three categories: hot seat, edge of the hot seat, and safe. And I, I know it's not a surprise to you guys that Nick Saban is safe, so he, he's kind of the last one on the list. Well, you know, he better, all the other he good coaches. The, he better yeah, win the title this year. That's right. That's, that's right. right. <laughs> Exactly right, but a couple names, Matt, that made the top 30 that, uh, you know, I was a little surprised at, but, um, you know, in the in the era of win now or go, maybe not, but, uh, you know, out of 100 and, um, 128 coaches, they have Kirby Smart at number 26 and Bronco Mendenhall at number 28. I mean, these guys are... Uh, you know, they haven't even been there for a full calendar year at their schools and their top 30. So uh, wow. uh, thoughts on um, uh, thoughts on Bronco Mendenhall, Kirby <laughs> Smart, um, probably unlikely that the Bulldogs are uh, that unhappy with Kirby Smart. But uh, give me your thoughts on uh, Kirby and Bronco Mendenhall in well, Virginia. Well, 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 my first thought is there's something wrong with people who make this list because – with, with all due respect to the struggles that Auburn has, if if Gus Malzahn was ahead of Les Miles on any hot seat list coming into this yeah. thing, I mean, Les Miles' job got saved by a near riot in Death Valley the last home game sure. of the season last year. So, Absolutely. Uh, so may, maybe their their judgment's just a hair off. Uh, the the one name that, 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 that I did not hear that I expected to is uh, Cliff Kingsbury at Texas Tech. Uh, again, not one of the higher profile jobs, but you can't be giving up 70 points a game for four straight years. You just, you just can't. Uh, and so, you know, that, I think that was – but, again, anybody that thinks Bronco Mendenhall is going anywhere at UVA just doesn't understand that program. This is right. not a place that's going to pull the trigger after a year or two, particularly yeah. when they – you know, they made a that, – that was a pretty big deal for – for UVA to go get somebody like him. Kirby Smart's just absolutely ridiculous. He gets at least two more years, and I've got a pretty good hunch he's going to get it turned around there long before that. Uh, but it's all this, to me, is always one of the more intriguing things in, of, 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 of the season, watching these fall. And, Chip, again, you mentioned it earlier. You got Auburn was one second from losing that game to LSU, and it very well could have been Gus Malzahn fired that week. 
instead of no less question. miles. And, and just no, imagine right. how the rest of the season plays out at that if it had gone that way. And that's no, how, there's no question. Yeah, no question, guys. There's no question about it. They're making four million, but this is why it's tenuous. And and just real yeah. quick, I know we're running low on time, but yeah, I, I never pull for a coach to be fired, even even if it's been a losing couple of years ago, too, because you got to remember it's not just that head coach; it's twenty five assistants and strength and conditionings and yep. all of their families, kids being uprooted from school yep. in January. Sure. It is a tough thing. And, uh, you know, that's why I just – I hate to see it even when there's situations like Texas where you know it just has to happen. No, that's a good point, Matt. You you bring up a good point that nobody really talks about, and that is, you know, everybody's like, ah, well, Les Miles – well, Les is a bad example because because the old staff was kind of absorbed by Ed Orgeron. But when guys are fired now, you know, the the head coaches that have buyouts and they have time remaining on their contract, you know, they get paid. But, you know, the assistants are normally year-to-year, and, and they're certainly not paid the big bucks, and they have families as well. So that's certainly a very, very good point and, and not a good thing for, um, for the trajectory of college football with how quickly, you know, win now is. And, and um, <clears throat> you know, if you don't win now, we're going to bring somebody else in and see if they can win now. Um, <clears throat> Matt and Kip, I'm going to let you guys have the last word with whatever you guys uh, want to have the last word with, whether it's NFL football, whether it's another observation about uh, about another game that we didn't talk about. But while you guys are kind of thinking about uh, the last word, wanted to make an announcement about scheduling. Um, we are in the process. We had a Red Zone Sports Report a photo shoot yesterday, and uh, we're very excited about a new website that we're going to be rolling out um, as soon as we can get it ready, in all likelihood, it's going to be the early part of next year when we get that going. So uh, we're going to be taking a couple weeks off from the live show. Uh, we're going to be doing a couple interviews that we're loading onto the interface. But uh, we will come at you live uh, in between Christmas and New Year's at some point, probably Wednesday the 28th of December. And um, as we get closer to as we get closer to these – these championship games, um, we're going to preview them again, um, much like we did today, but a little bit more in depth on the semifinal games. And um, we will also, at that point, we did not have an opportunity this week to really talk about a lot of NFL football. But when we do come, um, uh, when we we do come back on with the live show, probably the 28th Wednesday, the 28th of December. Um, we will be talking about NFL football. Uh, the Buffalo Bad Boy, Pete Tasca, will be back with us. We will do a two-hour show, um, one-hour preview on, on the two college football playoff semifinal games, and then uh, we'll talk about, at that point, um, uh, week uh, 17, I believe, the NFL season will be uh, on January 1st, so we're going to be talking about that. Most of the playoffs at that point will be set. There's always uh, a couple games or, or three or four games that, that have playoff implications. And we'll also talk about uh, um, uh, some possible head coaching vacancies because when we do the show the following week on the 3rd of January, as always, after the last week of the NFL season, there are a handful of job openings, so we'll we'll talk about that as well. So I wanted to make that announcement for everybody that is uh, that is listening to this week's podcast. But with that, uh, Kip and Matt, thank you, and uh, t- thanks to Steve Butler as well. Steve had to leave a little bit early, and uh, the Buffalo Bad Boy Pete Tasca is enjoying some quality time 
today and tomorrow <laughs> with his uh, lovely bride in New York City without their kids. So we, we miss Pete and uh, look forward to having him on on the 28th. But I'm glad Pete's having an opportunity to, to get out uh, uh, and uh, enjoy some quality time with his, uh, with his lovely bride. And uh, with that, uh, Kip, I'll give you an opportunity to, to give your last word. And then, uh, Matt, we will uh, kick it over to you. And then I'll say some closing remarks. I'll wish everybody a, a Merry Christmas. And then uh, we will see you back uh, in between Christmas and New Year's. But, uh, Kip, we'll start with you. Well, I want to lobby very quickly for the plan that I put forth last year that really would have been applicable this year. I don't see any reason why you can't expand this playoff field. Just two more spots. Let's pick six teams. Let's give the two teams that are most deserving this week off and play a couple of play-in games to meet the top two seeds. Then there's still three weeks to go. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. College football is the only sport I've been complaining about this for years. Is the only sport that takes four or five weeks off in between the end of the yeah. regular season and the playoff structure, it's it, it's it's insane to me. It, it'd be like the World Series starting on Thanksgiving. It'd be like March Madness starting around the end yeah. of April. I I, I just don't understand the and and the justification is well, there's finals and the holidays. All oh, that's fine. This weekend there's an Army Navy game. Wouldn't it be great if we had two playoff games? Uh, going on this week, we had Michigan playing against Washington, and we had uh, whoever the other two uh, would be, would be. Penn State would certainly be in, and probably Oklahoma, of course. So, I mean, this yeah. would be some great matchups, and it would just add it, – it, it doesn't really add a whole lot of extra. Um, and then the two winners of those teams would go on to play. Alabama would be reseeded, and, and, uh, and Alabama would play the winner. And so would Clemson. I, I just think it's, it, 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 it really would take away a lot of the controversy. And people make the argument that, well, you know, whoever's number seven then is going to have a beef. But, you know, still, it, it, this, this weekend really should not be void of football. The bowl games, even some of the minor ones, start as early as next weekend. So, uh, you know, give us some football for goodness for goodness sakes. That's, 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 that's my Kip, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think we waited – I think the wait between four to six teams or four to eight will be a lot shorter than the wait we had from two to four. So um, right. I agree with you. Well, and we can rework these TV contracts and and make it just as um, um, more profitable than it is now. So I couldn't agree with you more. Matt Metcalf, your last word. Uh, you know what? We'd re- be remiss if we didn't mention that it is the 75th anniversary of the attack on Pearl Harbor. Yeah, um, you know one of the one of the turning points of the 20th century. Saw a thing this afternoon. There are actually still five boys who survived the USS Arizona who are alive wow. and with us today. And uh, but and again, that generation is uh, is dying out far too quickly, and they did far too much for us. So uh, I just want to add my voice to the folks saying thank you to them and and all the all the other ones that helped us win that and all the other wars since. So uh, with very good, man. No, absolutely. I'm glad you mentioned that. And uh, and with that, guys, I want to thank both of y'all again for being on and giving of your time. I know away from uh, families and other activities. And uh, we will um, uh, we will depart at this point. Let everybody go watch the end of the college football playoff 
award show, the Home Depot award show that is uh, running live right now on um, on ESPN. And uh, we will catch everybody. As I said, I want everybody to have a uh, uh, a very merry Christmas. And uh, we will be doing the show again on uh, Wednesday, December 28th. In between Christmas and New Year's catch us, we're going to be doing a little bit more NFL. We're going to be doing a deeper dive into the two uh, semifinal shows. And uh, with that, guys, we'll catch you then. And I hope everybody has a Merry Christmas. And uh, we'll see everybody, uh, as I said, uh, Wednesday, the 29th of December at 8.30 Eastern Time p.m. Uh, Kip and Matt, thanks so much. And uh, we'll uh, we'll catch you on the next show. Sounds great. Thanks, Kipper.